Welcome to the Disruption Podcast with Keegan Sard. A podcast all about the disruption in our lives, how to move with the times, and how it has only just begun. Can I actually transform my industrial revolution company and compete with one of these startups or platform companies? Or do I have to start over? Get ahead of the curve curve. and learn about new and emerging technologies that are shaping the world of tomorrow. Welcome back to episode three of the Disruption Podcast. It's been a crazy month with projects finishing and new projects starting. Before I begin today, a number of you have reached out to me and said, well, how do you actually help companies and startups? And the short answer is I help them across operations, people, and growth to find where we can make some small changes to improve value and hopefully bring in some more money for you as well. I'm always on the hunt for new projects and great teams to collaborate with. So if you're in the hunt for a a fresh set of eyes or have a project in mind, please hit me up anytime at keeganventures.com. But back to the episode. Today, I want to talk about transportation and how a traumatic shift is already upon us, what it means and how it will most likely affect you. You may recall from my last episode that it was all about new living arrangements But that new world is not for all of us. With transportation, it's a different story. We are all going to be exposed to it if we like it or not. The first of which is ride-sharing. We know that Uber and Lyft are in the market, but there are a number of players firmly in the space in China, Dubai, Russia, and India all doing amazing things. While ride-sharing has a number of detractors, What it does do is give more freedom to people to move around cities and countries like never before. It's this freedom that empowers society because without access to transportation, you can't be a productive member of that society or be a part of the community that you are in. This is especially true in regional areas where Uber, um, for example, in Australia is moving people like never before, which previously had limited access to public transport. We're now seeing this across Newcastle, Byron Bay, Townsville, Cairns, with new regional towns being added all the time. And this is a great thing. We're also seeing a reduction in drink driving rates. Um, A US study proved this a few years back, that having access to cheaper alternatives to get home, where previously you had to rely on expensive taxis and limited public transport, um, is seen a wave of benefit. The one example that was in that study was that when Uber entered Seattle, the number of arrests for DUI decreased by more than 10%. And this is happening through every city that ride-sharing touches. The next big enabler is the gig economy, which I'll be definitely covering in a later episode because I understand it. And despite what some policymakers believe, employing independent contractors instead of employees isn't a loophole. There's a fundamental reason why the majority people like it. And in a recent survey for an Australian newspaper called the Financial Review, most drivers prefer this classification. It's pretty simple. Drivers get the freedom to choose their hours and the days that they work. It enables startup founders to get a little bit more money while getting their idea off the ground. It enables mothers to get back to, to the workforce 
by you know driving between school drop-offs and pickups. And the big one that people are forgetting is it enables our older generation, our older workforce that are struggling to find work or don't meet newly set educational requirements to keep active in the market, um, be productive members of society and make a little cash as well. These are all great things. They should be encouraged rather than denigrated uh, by policymakers and mainstream media. The best part of ridesharing is also yet to come. There's emerging startups like YC-backed Grabit, which is using digital advertising on rideshare windows, enabling users to get free rides paid for by the advertising, um, which, may I add, government have been doing on buses for years, but this means that the user benefits. This is a good thing. Ridesharing continues to also solve problems where taxis and the industry at large is still playing catch-up, you know, hiding behind outdated or um, crazy legislation, a lack of a customer-first strategy, and little to no innovation. You know, when you look at government, it's their policies that are, you know, stifling the monopoly of the cab industry And then they're also not thinking out of the box with poorly run and expensive public transport, of which a great example of a backwards thinking comes to us from San Francisco and their city council. First up, Google got fined for picking up their staff in the Bay Area using public bus stops. A company went out of their way to help transport their staff to and from the office at no cost to the taxpayer and got fined for using a piece of infrastructure that was not in use and fully paid for years ago. Total madness. The whole premise of innovation and building something from scratch is to solve a problem. And public transport sucks. There is a number of people wanting to fix it and the government just has this big hairy claws on it and doesn't want to let it go but they can't do it right this brings me to another little startup i absolutely loved and it got shut down by the same lunatics at the san francisco city council it was called leap and it offered an innovative public transport offering right for the 21st century buses would go up and down the main street and for a flat fee of five dollars via an app on your smartphone you could go where you wanted get on for one stop, get on for five stops. In comfort and in style. You could sit in old school seats. There was a lounge area down the back. You could even work from a laptop bar which had access to power. They, they had a food and drink station. You could eat drink on the bus. And um, you could use it all throughout your journey, all through the app. This is what innovation is all about. When someone does something better than you, you should reward this innovation, not stifle it. A great example of a smart government decision was how the Singapore MRT rewards consumers. They know that most people travel at peak times. Um, They also know that when traveling at peak times, it sucks. You're crammed in there like sardines. But they also allocate resources for earlier services that are underutilized. They also know that money drives consumer behavior So they put in a policy that if you tap off your card before 7.45 in the morning, it's 50% off. And it's working. It encourages you to get to town earlier and means that if you want to go at peak times, you have a more comfortable journey of which you're paying for. Another example was the US federal government 
saw innovation from Blue Ocean and SpaceX. Instead of banning them or restricting them, they rewarded their innovation and gave them government contracts because their solutions were better than the government's. Another good thing. The next elephant in the room is the rise of the autonomous vehicle. Now I'm sure of you share my wife's view of hell no, not happening. But this innovation will further impact our society for the better. From Mazda to Maserati, every car manufacturer is experimenting with self-driving cars, and rightfully so. And this is on top of Apple, Google, Lyft, Tesla, and Uber. 1.2 million people currently die due to traffic-related injuries per year. As much as we are scared about self-driving cars, something must be done, and that technology can work faster in crash situations than the human brain. One example that usually most people don't even talk about when we talk about autonomous vehicles is its impact on policing. Over 40% of the world's police are in traffic-related duties. With cars that drive themselves, we can now free up this time for our serving officers to be more active in our community, more visible on our streets, and hopefully stopping crimes before they start. I believe that we'll see municipalities now allow for autonomous vehicles. I think they have to. I think they have to do it earlier rather than later. I think more likely by 2020 um, because 1.2 people... 1.2 million people dying on our roads each and every year is not good enough. And if autonomous vehicles even cut that by half, we're doing something good. Um, and we'll see. But it, it goes to the premise that transport is a vital link to a growing city. It also doesn't mean that you know cities need to be on the bleeding edge either. Cities can use the resources they currently have now but just doing things better the um, melbourne city council back in the day pushed retail trading hours out by an hour to separate peak corporate traffic and retail traffic and that was a good thing um, we could fix the last mile of bus transport in both directions by connecting city-bound buses to tram networks and outer suburbs um, with ride-sharing providers those that get the balance right between innovation and free movement, we'll see a dramatic social, environmental, and economic benefit from being the first mover, which will impact cities and make it more appealing for people to live in those cities, which is a good thing. Thank you so much for listening to episode three. Always keen to hear your feedback, so hit me up anytime at, at KeeganSide on Twitter. Thanks again. Thank you for tuning into the Disruption Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If so, make sure to subscribe and share the podcast with friends and colleagues. With friends and colleagues.